Hello, listeners. This is Buddy Nutters, your favorite best friend. Do you enjoy the show and wish to see it performed live? Well, if you are in Southern California at the end of July, your wish will come true. We will be doing an interactive performance of Return Home on Sunday, July 31st, as part of the Midsummer Scream Halloween Festival in Long Beach, California. Isn't that cool? See all of your favorite characters come to life in this brand new story exclusive for Midsummer Scream. The performance will be highly interactive with you being able to change the course of the story several times throughout. Think of it as a choose-your-own-adventure return home style. Not only that, but we will have a few more surprises up our sleeve that will be revealed once the performance begins. Remember, this isn't going to be just a passive performance. You are a part of the show. Again, the date is Sunday, July 31st at 2.30 p.m. at the Long Beach Convention Center. For ticketing information and to learn more, visit MidsummerScream.org or our website at ReturnHomePodcast.com. And now, we invite you all to Return Home. I was speechless. I wasn't sure what to say. I wasn't even sure that words even existed to make Mr. Sanderson feel better. Instead, I just sat there, silent, trying to comfort him in some way, stumbling over my words to even form a sentence. Luckily, before I could make a fool of myself, Buddy appeared by my side. Lunch is here. You're missing out on some prime dogs today. I already ate half your plate. Oh, right. Sorry. Um... Buddy, this is Mr. Sanderson. Uh, Nick. Uh, Mr. Sanderson, this is my best friend, Buddy. Nice to meet you. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah, it was nice to meet you uh, as well. Uh, well, I, you know, I've talked your ear long enough, uh, Jonathan. I, you're, you're being kept from your food. No, really, it, it's okay. We can keep... No, no, no. I, I insist. You've been too kind already, uh, letting me just unburden myself onto you. I appreciate that. But you go on now. I... Maybe we can chat later. Are you gonna be okay? I'll be fine. Um, really. Thank you. Alright, just don't hesitate to call me if you need someone to talk to. I won't. I wrote my number down on a napkin and handed it over to him. He smiled and placed it in his pocket. Nice meeting you. Take care now. I followed Buddy back to our spot at the counter, glancing back at Mr. Sanderson to see him slowly taking a sip of coffee and staring out the window. Everything okay with him? He's got quite the story. I honestly wasn't expecting that. I know the basic gist of it, but I'm sure hearing it from him really put it into perspective. Honestly, it was heart-wrenching. I wish I can help the poor guy somehow, but I'm pretty sure taking the pain away of a lost loved one isn't within our reach. I get it, man. We all wish we could help. And this is by no means comparing ourselves to his loss, but in a weird way, it got me thinking about Zane. What do you mean? We unintentionally caused his death, and now we have to live with that. Kind of like Mr. Sanderson. Cheer up, man. Here, have a hot dog. You boys want another plate? Well, considering Buddy ate most of mine, I'll definitely have another one. Coming right up. As Big Joan walked back into the kitchen, the front door to the diner opened. In walked a man wearing a dark gray trench coat that stopped just before his knees. He wore a Homburg hat tipped slightly to the side on his head and held a cane in his hand. 
The top of the cane, made of brass, seemed to be made into the shape of a goat. The moment he stepped foot inside, the entire diner turned to look at him as if he commanded their attention without their realizing it. He smiled slightly, and with that, the spell was broken, and everyone went back to their meals. Somebody certainly knows how to dress in style. To say the man walked over to the counter would be doing him an injustice. Instead, he strided over to it, his long legs making the trip happen in just two steps. He sat a few seats down from us, and it was then that I realized how tall he actually was. Big Joan came out of the kitchen to take his order. What do you want to drink? I'll have a cup of your finest, blackest cafe au lait, please. My what? Coffee with a drop of milk. Large, please. We got one size. It goes in a mug. I'll take it. Thank you. Don't thank me till you try it. Even though the rest of the diner went back to their business, I couldn't take my eyes off of this newcomer for some reason. His entire demeanor struck me as odd, and it was even stranger that he was wearing that coat in such warm weather. I tried to make my suspicions inconspicuous, but wasn't doing a very good job. He glanced over in our direction, and I quickly looked away, but he definitely caught me staring. I just got in from out of town. Lovely little town you have here. I guess you'll have to thank the city council for that. Too true. They keep it in tip-top shape, yes? Something like that. He scooted over the seats until he was right next to me and extended his hand. The name's D.W. Washburn. Uh, Hi, I'm Jonathan, and this is my best friend, Buddy. Pleasure to meet you both. You come to this establishment often? You bet. Best damn hot dogs around. This your first time? It is. Stopping in for... Quick rest. If you're hungry, I'd recommend the hot dog platter. Oh, that good. I'd sell my soul for one of those bad boys. I might have to hold you to that. What brings you to Melancholy Falls, Mr. Washburn? Just passing through? Business, actually. There's a small matter I have to attend to before being on my way. Big Joan brought Washburn his mug and poured him some coffee. She dropped a small container of milk next to it, allowing him to take as much as he wanted. There you go. Anything else? Oh, this is fine for now. Thank you. He tilted the container slightly and let a single drop of milk fall into his coffee. He picked it up, took a dramatic whiff of its aroma, and then took a sip. Ah, this is some mighty fine coffee. You know, it's always the most out-of-the-way places that have the best things to offer. Don't you think? Big Jones is definitely a gem. And what do you do when you're not visiting this gym, Mr. Nutters? Oh, you know, nothing exciting. I find it hard to believe that someone with an aura as alluring as yours occupies his time with nothing exciting. Who, me? (laughs) And what about you, Mr. Barker? How do you fill your days? I'm actually just visiting home right now, so the usual complicated family stuff. You know how it goes. Big Joan was setting another platter of hot dogs in front of me when I realized how Washburn had just addressed us. I'm I'm sorry, did I tell you my last name was Barker? Uh, you did, uh, during our introductions. It must have slipped your mind. Hmm, I don't remember that either, but if you say so... I guess. The longer I sat next to him, the more the weird feeling I had about him grew, especially now that he seemingly pulled our names from the air. Something wasn't right about him, but I wasn't sure how to find out. You want more coffee? Non merci. You see what? No, thank you, I mean. Now, with that nectar of the Java gods within me, I can go on with what I came here to do. With a theatrical flourish, Washburn turned around and hopped off his seat. He tapped his cane on the countertop, getting the attention of everyone sitting in Big Jones. 
Ladies and gentlemen of this fine establishment, may I have your attention, please? My name is D.W. Washburn, and I'm here with an offer for one of you. The patrons all turned to look at him, most of them confused as to why this strange man was speaking to them. I was drawn to this fine little corner of the Garden State for one reason, and one reason only— And as luck would have it, that reason is sitting in this very diner right now. Now, let me see. Where is he? I should have known this was going to be about you. Washburn's eyes looked over the small, seated crowd. He passed over Buddy and I and then continued searching. Okay, maybe not you. He eventually landed on Mr. Sanderson, who was still seated in the corner booth and the only person not really paying attention. Ah. There we are, Mr. Nicholas Sanderson. At the mention of his name, Mr. Sanderson finally turned around to see what was happening, only to notice everyone was now staring at him. Yes? Do I, uh, do I know you? Washburn took another few strides from where he was standing and was suddenly before Mr. Sanderson. Yet again, he extended his hand out to introduce himself. You don't, but you will soon. My name is D.W. Washburn, and I'm here to make you an offer. Okay, uh, well, I'm sorry, sir, but I really don't think I'm going to be interested in anything you got to... No, no, hear me out, hear me out. Especially don't stop me before you actually understand what I'm willing to do for you. Washburn began to slowly pace the diner, addressing everyone within it again. Mr. Sanderson here has suffered a great tragic loss in his life. Uh, Some of you might argue that we have all suffered that at one point or another, but I do believe in this case, Mr. Sanderson's is far, far worse. For the last few years, the loss of his son has been an overbearing elephant in whatever room he happens to be in. No one likes to acknowledge it directly, but we all know it is there. I aim to perhaps do something about that. And what exactly can you do to help? I'm so glad you asked, Mr. Barker. So very glad. You see, for many years, I've gotten a bit of a... (laughs) A bad reputation as someone who only does bad things to bad people and is a bit of a scoundrel. While that might have been true a long, long time ago, I've been on a path to making my deeds better and clearing my name for quite some time. Don't get me wrong, I'm not one of those attention seekers doing good things only for the good press. Granted, that does help, but I prefer to keep things slightly under the radar. Tall dark, handsome, and mysterious? Who is this guy? I've been known by many names. Too many to even begin listing. But let's just say my misdeeds are more known than most. While I'm correcting that, I still do manage to have a bit of devil in me. Okay. I'm I'm sorry, but what does this have to do with me? You're suffering, Mr. Sanderson. You've suffered for far too long, this burden weighing down upon your soul. I want to help you with that. I honestly don't think there's anything you can do to take that away. Au contraire, there is. I have the power to stop the torment that keeps you up at night, but I can't make that decision for you. It has to be of your own accord. I'm still not 
understanding exactly what you're saying. Washburn slid into the seat opposite Mr. Sanderson, as everyone in the diner strained their necks to see what was going to happen next. What the hell are you offering me? A choice, Mr. Sanderson. An impossible one, yes, but one that can take away the pain forever. Or keep it in your heart until the day you die. How is that even a choice? You have two options here. Now please listen to them carefully because I will only explain them once. And then none of us will leave here until you choose one of them. Do you understand? I think so. Good. Now remember, there is no wrong answer here. I'm just offering you a choice to try to help. The rest is up to you. Option one. You forget everything I'm about to say. And I walk out of here in your life forever. You carry on your life as you have been the last few years and will continue to have to cope with the loss of your son. Pain tormenting you as much as it has been. And the other? I take away that pain. I make it so you never will have known or experienced it, nor know what it's like to feel it. It's that simple. What's the catch? Mr. Barker is clever. He knows there is no good deed without some loss. Well, he's right, though, right? What's the catch? My powers are limited in the grand scheme of things, so I have to make sure certain things be done in order to make that happen. And what are those things? In order to take away that pain, I also need to take away Rory. What, take him away? He's already gone. What, what are you going to take now, his soul? No, Mr. Sanderson, I have no use of souls contrary to popular belief. In order to take away your pain, I need to take away Rory. Permanently. Meaning, all things considered, Rory will have never been born. I'm sorry, what? In order to make sure that pain is 100% erased, then Rory will need to have not existed. This will take away all bad memories you have. But unfortunately, this will also take away all the good ones as well. Are you serious? Can you do that? An impossible choice, like I said. You either live with the pain or lose all memory of him altogether. Those are your options. Consider them both, Mr. Sanderson. You have 20 minutes to decide. Starting now. Return Home, Episode 4, The Devil in Me. You just listened to Part 2 of 3. It was written by Jeff Heimbuck and produced by Andrew Taylor and Jeff Heimbuck. It featured the vocal talents of Nicole Cornijo, Casey Wayland, Clarence Leonard, Forrest Orta, and Jeff Heimbuck. The original musical score was by Corey Celeste. You can find out more about the show by visiting our website at returnhomepodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash returnhomepodcast and on Twitter at returnhomeshow. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider supporting us by leaving a review on iTunes or contributing to our Patreon at patreon.com slash returnhomepodcast. Questions? Comments? Need a refill on your cafe au lait? Send us an email at returnhomepodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time... Pleasant dreams.